I have been given a topic this morning of speaking on faith and risk. I don't know why they gave me that topic, but they've given me the topic, and I'm very happy to try and deal with that, because sometimes when we think of faith and we think of risk, some people think they are the same thing. In fact, I've heard people say, you spell faith, R-I-S-K. That's quite interesting. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 1 that faith gives you the confident assurance of what you are believing for is going to happen. That doesn't feel too risky to me. Hello. Confident faith doesn't feel too risky. It's is beginning to understand how that disseminates, that confidence disseminates into our lives that we end up with a level of confidence that overcomes the feelings of risk because most of us in the room today don't enjoy risk. Let me prove it to you. You are sitting in the same chair where you sat in the last 52 weeks. only a thought. <laughs> Second time I've been wrong in 40 years. That's bad. <laughs> Most of us don't enjoy risk. And so if we can find levels of confident faith, we actually find the feeling of risk diminishing, dimin- diminishes and the confident level of faith increases. I want to turn with, uh, well, I'd like you to turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 14, if you have a Bible. Matthew chapter 14, and I want to uh, refer to a passage that we, many of us in the room will know very, very well, if we've not read it, that we've heard people refer to it. It's the occasion when uh, the disciples are on a boat journey, and uh, Jesus is walking on the water. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Afterwards, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was uh, there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. And Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it really is you, tell me to come, come to you by walking on the water. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when, and when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. If you want to walk on the water, 
you have to get out of the boat. I don't know what it sounds like to you when you listen maybe to a CD or you read a book and somebody romanticizes um, some miraculous happening that has taken place in their lives. Um, you, we may have heard testimonies. We may have heard people out of the frontier. We may have uh, read stuff in a paperback, popular, uh, popular Christian paperback book. And it, it sounds absolutely fantastic. And, and what that does to us sometimes, it puts us into a position where we become armchair Christians. Armchair Christians. Where we, where, you know, a few hours from now, um, many of the male species in the room will become expert managers of Italy or France, what they should have done, couldn't have done, did do, different formation, who should, have, who should they should have substituted, when they should have, you know. And we become, we become armchair participants instead of practitioners of our Christian faith. And the Bible says this, that just shall live by faith. Faith is a very active part of our lives. It is not passive in any way. And the challenge that we often have in the Christian life is that we, we can talk about it, talk about faith, talk about the miraculous, talk about trust in Jesus, but sometimes we're actually only talking about it. And we talk about it in such a way that we actually think that we're doing it. And the more we talk about it, then we more convince ourselves that we're doing it. But actually, it's all we're doing is sitting in the armchair commentating on life as it goes past us. I want to encourage us this morning to become an authentic Christian by getting out of the boat and beginning to walk on the water in all kinds of different realms and areas of our lives. First of all, this morning, water walkers recognize God's presence. Water, walk, water walkers recognizes God's presence. I think in the Mark account of this passage, it was three o'clock in the morning. Have you ever noticed how three o'clock in the morning things feel much worse? The baby crying at 3 o'clock in the morning feels much worse than 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If you've ever had the joys of jet lag, jet lag at 3 o'clock in the morning feels much worse than 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Have you ever woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning worried about something, and the thing that you're worried about feels much worse at three o'clock in the morning than it does in the cold light of day. And the disciples, they were, they were, on, a, uh, they were on a mission. They were on direction from Jesus. Jesus already said to them, I want you to go across the other side. So they were doing commanded business. And in the middle of doing commanded business, this storm begins to hit the boat they get a little shaky, they get a little nervous, and then a ghost appears from nowhere, and they go into paranoia. In fact, uh, in the Mark version, it says, Jesus, Jesus walked past the boat. And um, 
there's a, an interesting term for that in the original language. It means a theophanies. It means it was a manifestation of the real presence of God past the boat. It kind of, one of those things that happened to Moses when, um, when he was uh, in the mountains praying and the uh, glory of the Lord passed by, a manifestation of the glory of God. And this was what was happening to the disciples on this occasion. They were panicky, they were nervous, and they were scared, but only one of them recognized Jesus. What do you recognize when you're about to go into a panic? It's critically important to know how you're going to come out of the panic. And water walkers, people who go beyond their own resources, go beyond their natural personality, go beyond what is uh, acceptable by the status quo, are people who recognize Jesus right in the middle of the storm. Now, you have to understand the storm didn't stop at this point. We sometimes think, yeah, yeah, if we can just get Jesus in the middle of our chaos, everything will calm down. Well, at that point, nothing calmed down, but Jesus was still there. And water walkers have this incredible ability to recognize the presence of Jesus. We have to look for Jesus in the extraordinary moments of our lives. And if you are not looking for him, you might just miss him. Where are you this morning? Can you relax, sit back, and start to positively look for Jesus in the middle of the chaos that you may feel going on in your life right now and look for Jesus? Because do you know what? He's already promised he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He's not going anywhere. He's stuck to you. He's glued to you. He's, he's not about to go anywhere. The Bible says this, when we, when we are faithless, he actually remains faithful. But we have to open our eyes and open our spiritual eyes and open our senses to the possibility that Jesus is actually there, although at this moment in time we've not identified him or even recognized him. The second thing is this. Water walkers discern the difference between faith and foolishness. Peter didn't go out on a wing. He didn't go out on a hunch. He says, Jesus, if that's really you, if that's really you, Jesus, command me to come. And Peter responded to the word that Jesus gave him. And water walkers understand the difference between faith and foolishness. Faith always operates within a response to the word of the Lord that has come to us. Whether it's a rhema word, it's a specific, clear word into our spirit, a gut conviction, an overwhelming confidence that we know that this is God speaking to us. Whether it's a particular word that we've read through the Bible, whether it's come through a group of people that have prophesied into our lives, 
But water walkers don't respond to foolishness. They actually respond to faith. And the faith that they respond to is the word that comes into their lives. Some of you will know the Swinema family. They, they moved uh, into our area from uh, Calgary, Canada about four and a half years ago. And uh, Greg had come some time before to try and find a house and uh, for the family to live. And so... Um, did a totally un-British thing. He, um, he saw a house that he liked, knocked on the door, and said, um, I'm moving here with my family and um, want to know if you'd like to rent me your house. <laughs> little unorthodox. Canadians, little unorthodox. And so... Dialoguing with this lady, it seems that this lady was about to move to Spain and um, she wasn't sure whether she wanted to rent the house, whether she wanted to sell the house. But she says, she's not a, not a follower of Jesus, she says, maybe God has sent you to my house and maybe I should uh, rent you my house. And Greg says, yeah, God has sent me you and I think you should rent me your house. And so some months later, she moved off to Spain. Greg and Lynn and the family moved into the house. They're in the house just a short time. And the lady has a second thought. She doesn't want to rent the house anymore. Um, She would like to sell the house. And so... Greg and Lynn at that time didn't know if they could procure a British mortgage. They didn't know whether the income level was sufficient to buy the house. And, and so they were almost resigning themselves to the fact we're probably going to have to move. And that's a real pain. When you've moved 5,000 miles, lugged all your luggage over, unpacked all your boxes, and three months later have to move, that's ugly. And so they... Uh, they will resign themselves to the fact. And then one day they said, well, we should just pray. We should just pray to see what Jesus would tell us what we should do. Not as if you feel you've got a lot of options if the woman wants to sell. And so as they're praying, Lynn, they're in Canada on holiday, and Lynn gets a word from God twice in one evening at 3 a.m. in the morning you will not have to move. And we have some contradictory data now. Because the woman is selling the house. They probably can't get a mortgage. And so the date is a little different. And so she's waiting on that. She's praying on that. She gets up next morning. She tells uh, Greg. Greg is nowhere near as inspired as uh, Lynn. And says, uh, what, uh, what kind of sandwiches did you have last night when you went to bed? <laughs> Goes to bed the next night, same experience again, wakes up in the middle of the night. You will not have to move. Wow. Gets up next morning, tells Greg, Greg, you know, is not processing the information that well. And says, no we really should make plans to move. No, 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 Lynn says. No, we won't have to move. 
I'm not packing a box. I'm not doing it. We won't have to move. Well, some shenanigans starts to go on. The people, they're trying to sell the house, and the house is in a little bit of disrepair, so they can't get the money that they want for the house, and buyers are falling out. And so they say, Gregman says, well, maybe, maybe we should buy the house. Let's buy the house. As ridiculous as that sounds, let's see if we can buy the house. Well, lo and behold, they get the mortgage, and nine months later from when they said they were going to be ejected, nine months later, they own the house. That's a bit lucky, wasn't it? <laughs> now, that's a nice story. That's a really nice story, but it's living the nine months is the challenge. Hello. And you see, people who walk on the waters don't, they know the difference to respond between foolishness and faith. And faith gives that concrete assurance on the inside, although the outside circumstances look absolutely contradictory. Faith on the inside says, no, 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 this is going to be all right. Thirdly, water walkers get out of the boat. You probably understand you, we have very experienced fishermen. They understand the terrain. They understand the level of the storm. They understand what force the gale is. They are not a bunch of, uh, of um, people who are just uh, gone rowing for the day and it's turned out a bit bad. These are experienced people. So they can bring all their data of years of experience, probably generational experience from their from their families into this situation saying, this storm is not bad. This storm is flipping awful. If this storm doesn't stop, we are going to be fed to the fish. We need help right now. And water walkers and these, these people in the boat understood the seriousness of the intentions that were around them, that they were about to be swallowed up. But Peter realized there was another option. And there's always another option. Many times we think we're absolutely closed down. There's only one option. Do or die. Oftentimes there are many, many options. And Peter says, If it's you, Lord, tell me to come out of the boat. And water walkers get out of the boat. Water walkers don't sit in the chair. Water walkers don't just um, uh, give testimony to other people's testimony, how they go out of the boat. They actually get out of the boat. And the boat for us is normally what represents our safety and our security apart from God himself. Some of us have discovered we, we never know how much we need Jesus until Jesus is the only one we've got. You been there? But we love the add-on things. We love the add-on things. And so our security 
is anything that you are hanging on to. Your boat is anything you're hanging on to that does not have its roots and its security in Jesus. Sometimes it's our ministry. It's the acts that we perform in the context of the body of Christ where we get good at something. So we, you know, we may be involved in children's ministry or we may be involved in the church administration or we may be involved in youth ministry. And when there comes a time when maybe, maybe a leader in the church or someone in the church asks us to move beyond where we're at, to move into another area of ministry, levels of concern comes to us. Sometimes even fear comes to us. Sometimes we get a little anxious because... That we know. The children's ministry, we know. Youth ministry, we know. Administration, we know. But now you're asking me to do something that I don't feel comfortable in. I know, I know the ministry track said I am gifted in that area, but I've actually never done much in that area, so I actually doubt the data that's actually come out of that ministry track material. And so as a result of that, I'm going to stay where I am because it's much more secure here. And so... We, we sometimes stay in the boat of our existing ministry position because we know how that works. We feel secure. We feel comfortable. And to transition into another area of ministry is sometimes a little more challenging. And you know what? If we don't get out of the boat, if we don't move, the challenge is this, is we stop growing we stop becoming the person who Jesus wants us to become. We close down the options of God in our lives, whereby we could be much bigger on the inside. We could be much more influential. We could become a greater blessing when we're hanging on to our boat of personal security. Some... Uh some months ago, I had an opportunity to go and make a, a business proposition to a company in the Republic of Czech. One of the organizations um, I'm leading is called the Proton Foundation. And we have a great desire to bring leadership development from an ethical and value-based into communities, local businesses, media, education. And the way that we've found to have access into this city in the Republic of Czech was to create a working model for the mayor and his office with an existing company that's already in the city and then point to the model and say, look, that's what we did, that's what we delivered, that's how it's working. Maybe we can come and help your office and your community to gain much more um, influence, create a greater future for the people who live in your city. And so I am... I said yes to this invitation. And uh, the managing director says, you know, in our human resources department, is, uh, we, we conduct all of our meetings in English. And so why don't you just sit in for two hours, listen to what's going on, and then make your presentation at the end. And I'm on the plane from Birmingham going to Prague, and I'm thinking, what the flipping heck are you doing? You've been living in the non-profit world for the last 30 years. What the heck do you know about business? How can you go into that environment and tell them anything? I'm going, yeah, how can I do that? 
What was I thinking? What was I thinking to say yes to that? And yet, I'm on the plane. The car's going to pick me up from the airport to take me to the company. And I'm going into mild panic. Then I'm thinking, this is a big mess. Why mildly panic? Let's wildly panic. (laughs) Never been to the toilet so often, so much, in such a short period of time. And I'm in the car going to this company. I'm saying, Jesus, I'm looking for you. Where are you? (laughs) And Jesus says, Ian, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And so I get into the meeting and they make, you know, they're talking and it's very interesting. I'm thinking, although I'm not really conversant with this environment, as I'm listening to all these conversations going, I'm going, this is an organization. I know about organizations. I've been leading organizations for 30 years, whether it's commercial or non-profit, there are some things that are similar and some things that are distinctly different. But I understood some of the tensions and difficulties that they were having in the meeting, and Jesus kept on whispering to me, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And so they, they've agreed. They've, they've agreed for us to go in and do some training in uh, November and December, which we are believing is going to open the door to that city. What if I decided when I got to Prague, I ain't doing this. I'm going to go downtown and have a coffee and say, the guy never picked me up. You know, it's a little porky. No, no, no. And do you know what? Sometimes going out of our comfort zone, going out of our area of comfortableness is actually a great growing personal experience but also it's a creating an avenue in which God can move not only in your life, but in the life of others that you would possibly uh, have the opportunity to influence. Water walkers expect problems, but problems are only temporary. Jesus was absolutely thrilled with Peter when he walked on the water. Jesus was walking on the water He loves his disciples to do what he did. Peter is now walking on the water. And you would have naturally thought that if you do what Jesus says, then you shouldn't have too many difficulties, should you? I mean, that's how I used to naively think when I was a new Christian. If you do what Jesus says, no hassle ministries. I found, do what Jesus says, riots break out. You read the Acts of the Apostles, riots or revivals, no middle ground when they do what Jesus says. And because difficulties comes and because problem comes and the storm didn't stop, in fact, it got a little worse. Sometimes when setbacks come, when oppositions come, unexpected obstacles come, We have to understand, it doesn't mean that we're out the will of God. It means we have a storm to ride through. Or we have some water to walk on. But we have a word that Jesus gave to us to respond to. And so as you consider transitioning 
maybe in your job, and you may move jobs. Maybe as you think of transitioning in your ministry, do you know what? It's not going to be all plain sailing. Transitions are incredibly challenging periods in life. As I chat to people when they say the last children has left, left home and they become empty nesters, they say that, that becomes an incredible challenge to that family unit. Transition is incredibly challenging. But water walkers expect problems, but they see the problems as temporary. And then finally this morning, water walkers accept fear as a price for personal growth. Growth and fear goes hand in hand. The moment you get committed for personal growth is the moment that you are going to have to break through some fear barriers. Fear barriers. I think in our British culture we have, um, we have a fairly interesting view of failure, which is different from other cultures in the world. Oftentimes we are tempted to think that failure is final. We sometimes put the label of failure on something that is actually only a temporary setback. Failure is not something that happens to us, but it's actually a label that we attach to things. It's the way we think about outcomes. I think it's quite difficult to fail as a Christian. I think you can learn how to do things, and you can learn how not to do things. It's called learning. The moment you call it failure, that becomes relatively discouraging, immobilizing, and saps energy for you to go forward and to succeed. Jonas Salk developed a vaccine for polio. And uh, he tried 200 attempts to create this vaccine. And someone asked him one day, how does it feel? How does it feel like to fail 200 times? He says, I've been taught not to use the word failure. I've just discovered 200 ways how that vaccine for polio does not work. I've been doing some reading and listening to some of the life story of Winston Churchill just recently. And um, in one of the uh, pieces I was listening to, someone asked him um, what prepared him to um, risk political suicide in the 1930s where he's one of the few British politicians that were actually speaking out against Hitler. And uh, what led him to think that he, that Great Britain could take on Nazi Germany? What prepared him for that? And Churchill said, when I had to repeat one of my years at school, and the interviewer says, you mean you, you failed one of your years in school? He says, I've never failed anything in my life. 
I was just given a second opportunity to get it right. How good is that? How many chances do you need to get it right? God gives us a lot of chances to get us right. You know, we sometimes give up on ourselves. And sometimes we give up on other people. The good news is that Jesus never gives up on us. The worst kind of failure I would suggest to you this morning is to never get out of the boat. Hang on to your security. Stay in the realm of what you know and what you're comfortable with. Whether it's your job, whether it's your ministry, whether I should or I shouldn't tithe, whether I should be more generous, less generous, whether I should give up more time or less time, whether I should expose myself to levels of vulnerability that I may find very uncomfortable or not do that. I want to encourage you this morning. The, the, the only failure that you can ever have is not to get out of the boat. I'm glad to belong to a community like this that by and large we like to get out of the boat. We do, don't we? As three people. We do, don't we? We like to get, we're not, and we're not saying it's easy. And we're not saying it's comfortable. And yeah, and we, there's measured faith and there's fear, but our faith overcomes our fear that we can move forward. 